Businesses of all sizes have been affected by COVID-19. In response to this, Postmedia Solutions has created a five-step guide aimed to help you adapt your business during this global crisis. To get this free guide, visit postmediasolutions.com adapt. Retail is Canada's largest employer, with 2.1 million people working in shops large and small across the country, at least before the COVID-19 pandemic hit. Many of these employees lost work during the lockdown. Even though retail is slowly returning, will it ever be the same as it was before COVID-19? This week, we're joined by Diane Brisebois, President and Chief Executive of the Retail Council of Canada. Her association represents more than 45,000 storefronts nationwide, from grocery stores to independent clothing boutiques. As some of the shops prepare to open their doors once more, Deanne and I discuss the biggest challenges facing retailers and how the pandemic could permanently change the shopping experience, from quarantined clothes to a surge in online shopping. Obviously, the retail sector has been one of the hardest hit by the pandemic. How has it affected employment in your sector so far among the organizations that you represent? Well, it, it has affected retail in, in two ways. One, uh, let's talk about the essential retailers. They have been open since the beginning of the pandemic. So their challenges have been very different. They, in fact, have been trying to recruit employees and staff to uh, respond to the demand and the pressures on them to uh, serve their customers. On the other side, we have non-essential retailers, and those, in most cases, have been closed since the beginning of the pandemic, or certainly since mid-March. So we have seen a huge shift based on the feedback we've been receiving from from those non-essential retailers. They have... I mean, we've been fortunate because they've been using government programs, but obviously there's been a substantial drop because those stores have not been open. So we expect that there will be a negative impact on general employment in retail going forward. It is true that, you know, those two stories, you have the essential retailers working harder than ever before, and then people who are finding themselves without any work at all. How have the government relief programs helped the sector so far, I'm including the wage subsidy and the emergency response benefits for laid off workers? Oh, they've been essential and they've been a, a lifeline for retailers and for employees. Because if we focus on non-essential retailers, obviously with stores closed and uh, with a small portion of the business going through e-commerce, their staff complement has been reduced substantially. And our retailers were very concerned with trying to support their employees. And without the government programs like wage subsidy and CERB, it would have been impossible to support those employees. So they were extremely important. The concern is, obviously, can this continue? And um, to what extent can it continue, depending on you know how slowly or quickly we uh, live through a recovery? How quickly do you think that needs to happen in order to get some of these people back to work? Or are you seeing talk of a more permanent shift of retailers really scaling back the number of employees they might have, shifting more online, those type of solutions instead of going back to that pre-pandemic business level? Well, I, I suspect that for most of the retailers, we're not going to see them go back to the pre-COVID environment. It will take a long time 
for both retailers and customers to find, to feel comfortable, to be able to function with the current guidelines, which we believe will remain in place for quite a while. And, you know, keep in mind that it's not just reopening your store. It's also looking at uh, customers, their disposable income, their ability to buy and pay. All of those factors come into play. So we do believe that it will be slower. We do believe that there will be a percentage of employees that will not be called back because retailers will be, um, not that they will be shrinking their footprint, but many of them are looking at how consumers will be reacting before they can make those decisions. But certainly, if we look at the, the economics, we suspect that we will be looking at a more retracted retail sector than we did before our COVID hit this country. When it comes to footprint, one of the big challenges for retailers I know has been paying their rent during this pandemic with no revenue coming in. How would you evaluate the government's rent relief program and whether it has been helpful for retailers? Well, so far on a scale of zero to 10, 10 being good, most of our merchants are scoring it at about three. Oof, that's that's not what you want to hear. No, that's not what we, what we want to hear. Absolutely not. The, the portal is open today for landlords to apply for the CEQRA program. But our merchants, especially our small merchants, because CEQRA is focused primarily on uh, very small merchants. Most of them have told us that their landlords had already indicated that they probably would not apply for the program. So there are a lot of issues with the current program. Number one, it's voluntary. So if the landlord decides not to uh, take advantage of the program and continue to put pressure on the tenant to pay the lease, then it is not successful. And then we suspect it will not be. And secondly, it excludes about 80% of the sector. You know, the reality is that, as you said, retailers have been closed generally since mid-March. So that means no sales or very few sales through curbside or uh, online. And they were still expected to pay their rent, which is absolutely ridiculous. So we have been calling on the government to provide a much broader rent relief program because that will be key for the recovery. If if our uh, retailers can't pay their rent and have no more cash to pay their rent, it doesn't matter if it's deferred, as some landlords have suggested. They, they just don't have the money. So we really, really need to look at a broader program that's going to support a retailer's reopening until such time as they have enough sales to be able to pay their full rent. What would such a program look like? I, what strikes me is the voluntary aspect. You know, it the landlords have to be on board with this. And while I am hearing reports of a lot of creative deals between certain retailers or storefront owners and the people that own the building, other landlords are just not willing to play ball. How do you think the government should respond to that? I think the government should respond in uh, developing the CICRA program in order for it to be available to all retailers with, you know, specific criteria, but it should not be voluntary. You know, the secret program only asks the landlord to take a 25% cut. You know, here's the situation. If you are a landlord with a mall, you if there's one tenant that can't pay his rent, 
then it's the tenant's problem. But when you have six, 10, or 12 tenants who can't pay their rent, then it's the landlord's problem. And what we are saying to landlords and, and to government is that we all need to take a cut and we also all need to look at the recovery, not in a two-month increment, but in fact in six to 12-month increments because that's the only way we will be able to ensure that mall operators are, are getting, eventually getting 100% of their rent. And it's the only way we can ensure that the great majority of retailers can reopen and stay and remain solvent. It's a good time frame to, you know, to think that six to 12 months in advance. I mean, you think about the landlords and the retailers right now, if a retailer goes bust and moves out, it's not like there's going to be a lot of people chomping at the bit to move into that vacant space. How do you think the pandemic is going to be changing main streets in cities and towns across the country? You know, those vibrant streets of shops that makes places desirable to live in in the first place. It will change main street if we, you know, think of pre-COVID what it may do is uh, reinvent Main Street. And that, again, will depend very much on the collaboration of all stakeholders in order to ensure that the businesses that are currently on Main Street have a chance to survive. You know, let's not forget that all of those businesses are key to municipalities because they pay property tax, utility taxes. They are extremely important to the financial health of the cities. So when we look at Main Street, we need to think about what did it look like? How can we support the recovery for most of this, these businesses? And what do we need to change in order to make it easier for those small businesses to open? And how do we change to allow customers to feel comfortable, to feel safe when they shop? So will Main Street change absolutely but there's also another factor to keep in mind it will also depend on if and when there is a vaccine because mainstream will never be the same if we continue with physical distancing with counting the number of people in a store so lineups outside we've left merchandising in the store and, and the like so it's very difficult to imagine what it might look like because there are a lot of variables. But at this point in time, we can just assume that it will never look the way it did before. Do you have any estimates on vacancies or how many retailers might close permanently? Well, this is a guesstimate based on conversations we've had with hundreds and hundreds of small, mid and large retailers. But the guesstimate is that we will see the number shrink between by about 25 to 30%. And that's a combination of two things. One is businesses that will not be able to reopen, that can't get or the financing or the support. Uh, and two, it will also be because we believe that retailers will reevaluate their physical footprint and many of the stores that are underproducing will be closed. And so it's, it's a combination of business closing by choice or through bankruptcy and the retailers surviving, changing their model and shrinking of their physical footprint. 
at 25 to 30% is a pretty staggering number when you think about it. Retail is slowly starting to reopen. You know, different places, different times, different rules in different provinces, of course. But I know that the Retail Council has prepared a sort of roadmap to recovery with Boston Consulting Group. How are you recommending retailers prepare for this loosening of restrictions? Yes, we, the Retail Recovery Playbook is somewhat of a Bible now, uh, thanks to the work we've done with Boston Consulting Group. And really, uh, you know, it has different aspects or different chapters, but number one for all retailers is the health and well-being of their employees and the health and well-being of their customers. So the focus is on how do I now serve my customers in a post-COVID or in a crisis situation? And how do I ensure that my employees are well-trained, they have the PPE equipment that they require? How do I physically reimagine my store in order to ensure that I can, in fact, provide that kind of safety so that my employees and my customers trust me? That is number one. That trust factor is going to be so huge. Let's talk first about from the customer perspective. When I think about retail reopening, one of the first things I think of is browsing through stores, whether that's a little shop or a clothing store. You know, how how are people going to try on clothes in this new reality? Something as simple as trying on a t-shirt might not be so simple anymore. I'm wondering what sort of recommendations do you have on that end from the consumer experience perspective? Well, the experience has changed and will continue to change for consumers. And it will, I suspect, based on everything we've read and the experts we've spoken to, that that will change even if we finally have a vaccine. I think people will be much more conscious. You know, there's a, an expression we're using now is that health and safety is the new black. And so it, it will always be top of mind because it's not just COVID. It's flu. It's any other health issue that might concern customers. So this is truly the new reality for retailers. It's about health and safety. It's about figuring out how do I make my customer feel comfortable in the store? How do I get them to try shoes, jewelry, clothing, and make sure that those items are or quarantined or steamed or cleaned so that customers coming back feel comfortable? What are the best practices for that, you know, when it comes to the simple example of trying on a T-shirt? So what the, some of the guidelines that we've provided, and, and you know, and there, this is, is work in progress because we are learning from a lot of the retailers in other parts of the world who are uh, maybe a month ahead of us or two months ahead of us. And so we're watching them, talking to them, getting a sense from them on how consumers are both reacting to new guidelines or new policies, and also trying to understand what consumer consumers like or don't like. So right now, we are suggesting, especially for those in the fashion sector, that they put most of the clothing on hangers versus sitting them. You know, when you walk into a store, you see like 15 t-shirts on top of each other on a a glass counter and customers will go through them to find their size. So they'll touch all of them. And so we are telling our retailers, think about what consumers usually do when they're looking for a product. Find ways 
to minimize the amount of touch point. Put signage, speak to your customers, certainly allow your customers to try clothing, but then make it very clear what they can and cannot do. And so, for example, in an apparel store, they can go in a change room, but the employees need to be trained. Signage needs to be clear that the customer then leaving the change room only takes what he or she wants to buy. The rest stays in the change room. And then there's a protocol to follow, to clean the change room, to take the clothing that's been tried and not purchased, and to put it aside for a period of time. And for clothing, we have suggested 24 hours of quarantine. So those are the general guidelines. Throwing the t-shirts in quarantine, I suppose, from a more complicated thing like staff management, for instance, and making sure people have the right PPE, trying to, I guess, get that balance of convincing people to come back to work if they have been on emergency response benefits that potentially could be more money than a part-time retail job. I'm wondering, how are you recommending retailers deal with these new new costs of doing business safely with this lower foot traffic? You know, you're asking me God questions here. <laughs> um, Deanne, you're, you have to know all the answers right now. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. So there are a few things that we've noticed and, and that we've learned from essential retailers. And God bless them because they've been very generous at sharing their best practices, as well as looking at what non-essential retailers have done in uh, Asia, for example, or parts of Europe. So we have noticed that our retailers are looking at maybe less employees, but employees that will get a full shift. So instead of going with three part-time or let's say four part-times, it's going with two full-time employees. So in fact, we suspect that there will be less part-time and more full-time and that the complement of employees may be reduced for a period of time until retailers can get a sense of what kind of traffic, what kind of volume they are doing and will be doing. Uh, We've also seen retailers split shifts so that the employees do not come in contact with each other when one starts, the other one leaves. It sounds very complicated. It is not. It's a question of scheduling. And finally, you and I were talking about this uh, a few minutes ago. It's about trust. It's about showing the employees that you care that you're putting everything in place to make them comfortable, to make them safe. Generally, we believe that that employees will come back. But retailers have to work extremely hard at communicating, at being transparent, at being uh, genuine, and at being accountable to their employees. That is the only way uh, retailers will be able to bring back their key employees and to keep those key employees. Now, we're talking about getting back in the physical sense, but obviously e-commerce has been booming during this pandemic. How do you think COVID-19 has affected the shift to e-commerce? Can a retailer still even operate without an online presence? And what do you think the long-term effects of that could be for Canada's retail sector? Well, let me address the, the one about can retailers continue to operate without e-commerce. I will say that there is a very, very small number of retailers who can continue operating without an e-commerce presence. So that's number one. Number two, we have seen an increase in e-commerce during COVID that has been unprecedented. It's It was like having two holiday seasons combined into a couple of months. You know, prior 
to COVID, the total retail sales online in Canada were about 8%. And we are now estimating that they're over 15%. For some retailers, they may very well represent 50% of their volume today. So there's no question that this has really embedded online shopping with all consumers of any age. And we believe that will continue. Will that continue at the same ex- to the same extent it did during uh, the crisis? We think it will slow down and that people will want to go back to stores and experience that shopping trip uh, with other people and touching and feeling and, and looking at products. But we do believe that we've now reached a point where e-commerce is, you know, is bread and butter for most retailers if they want to continue to succeed. Most consumers will continue. It may not be at the same pace as we've seen it during the last two months, but there's no question that it has become part and parcel of the way people want to shop. It certainly has changed pretty rapidly and interesting to see the lessons that the retailers are taking from the essential retailers that have been open this whole time. Dan, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. I really appreciate it. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much. That was Diane Brisebois, President and CEO of the Retail Council of Canada. Thank you so much for listening to Down to Business this week. And as always, thank you to our team. Music and production by Bryce Hall, editing by Yudula Hussain, and web support by Pamela Heaven. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend and rate us on your podcast app. I'm Emily Jackson, and until next week, you can get all your business news at financialpost.com.